You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Cade Young. This is the WFHB Local News for Thursday, August 11th, 2022. Later in the program, we have the latest edition of Prescription for Healthcare, a monthly podcast collaboration between WFHB and Medicare for All Indiana. More in the bottom half of our program. Also coming up in the next half hour, the third annual WFHB Block Rocker will happen Saturday, August 20th from 5 to 11 p.m. WFHB General Manager Jar Turner discusses what the event entails. But first, your local headlines. City Legal Daniel Dixon presented an appeal at the Bloomington Board of Public Works meeting on August 2nd. Dixon said the petitioner, Duncan Zero, was given a warning for excessive growth on their property. Zero explained that mowing emits significant CO2 and noise pollution. He said that he did weed his lawn after he got the warning. However, he would prefer to have his lawn designated as a meadow status than be forced to mow it. My name is Duncan Zero, and um, I had a notice of violation a while back. Um... And I've uh, cut, I've removed the, I don't know what kind of weeds they were, but it wasn't grass. Um, and, uh, but I have tall grass. And I think this thing about eight inch tall, you might want to initiate a fine for if you mow something that's not at least eight inches tall. <laughs> I mean, because with this prohibition thing, um, people have um, want to avoid these anonymous denunciations, so they turn their responsibility over to these uh, lawn care operators. So if there's a complaint, it goes to them. And these guys are just riding around on, on riding mowers on just really little yards. And it's just tremendous carbon dioxide and, and noise pollution that this is causing. You know, so, uh, and like I say, I had some non-grass unknown weeds. It took me like almost the full seven days before I got them out of there. And maybe the compliance man came back before I had done that and he saw that it was still kind of overgrown. And so that might have been why uh, the uh, appeal failed or, or I don't know exactly what the problem is, but, um, so I'm just uh, applying for, see if I can get a designation of a a meadow status. So I I see a lot of these neighbors have just grown up. Board President Kyla Cox-Deckard asked Zero if he had worked with the city on creating a permaculture lawn with the acceptable plants. So one of the questions I'd asked with the previous um, case was uh, about um, a conversation about permaculture um, landscaping, which there are certain plants that can be grown in yards that um, don't require to be mowed, 
um, so you can conserve. Zero asked if the Murdoch, Pokeweed, and Goldenrod are allowed. Director of Public Works Adam Wason responded, saying that senior environmental planner Linda Thompson can explain the city's rules when it comes to native plants and permaculture lawns. I know April had had a conversation with you about talking with Linda Thompson in our uh, planning department who helps residents uh, understand what some of the guidelines are for the native plants that can go into um, these areas and not require mowing. Um, We'd like to help facilitate that conversation and we'll continue to try to do that over the next several days. what what your what the appeal right now that you're uh, filing is for a warning we have not issued any fines yet um and we would like you to work we will help um, facilitate that conversation with linda the one thing about the ordinance the 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 city code that uh, staff is enforcing here is city code that's um, approved by the city council and then staff is directed to enforce that city code um, and it lists all kinds of different invasive species and, and why, you know, and that the, the lawn needs to be maintained at eight inches or less. So uh, the Board of Public Works is here to then um, hear the appeal, but is also required to uphold the city code. Um, so what we'd like to do tonight, if... Well, I thought the city code allowed for a meadow status to be... They do. It, it does, but I, it needs I to do, heard, be done in a specific I way. Heard. Wayson suggested that the board table the appeal until Zero has an opportunity to talk to Linda Thompson. The board unanimously voted to table the appeal. The next Board of Public Works meeting will be held on August 16th. At the Bloomington Utilities Service Board meeting on August 1st, Assistant Director of Environmental Programs James Hall asked the board to approve an agreement with Verily Life Sciences, LLC, for COVID wastewater sampling program. He explained that Verily would pay Bloomington Utilities $150 per sample collected. Uh, They're gonna provide all the bottles, the shipping containers, the prepaid shipping boxes to send back. Basically all we have to do, we're paying us for our time to collect them. We're already collecting them uh, multiple times a week. So uh, either through the CDC program or of our own sampling. So it's not a big ask of our team to do anyway. So board member Amanda Burnham asked how long the agreement would last. Paul said he did not know their complete timeline yet. They haven't told us. I know in the contract is for 12 months and then the possibility of renewing for 12 months. So I don't know if they have some grant money available and they're just not sure how long that will last or if they'll get it renewed or not. So board member Kirk White asked how the program would use the sample data as it would put Bloomington in a national database. Hall responded, saying they would just be looking to find COVID amounts. The email that we got, and we haven't directly uh, spoken with them, but it says a national program called SCAN, Sewer Coronavirus Alert Network. So I'm assuming they're only looking at SARS-CoV-2 there, but um, yeah, that, that's what I have so far. Board member Jeff Eman asked if they would be giving up their rights to how data is used. A utility staff member responded that they would be unable to stop them from publishing the data after it has been sold. No, we don't have any authority or right to make objection to how they're going to use the samples once they receive them. That's entirely their... Once we, once we put the samples into the stream of commerce, so to speak, they become uh, something that is their response. Well, 
once it gets to them, it's their responsibility to have it, handle it, use it the way they wish to, and publish whatever it is they determine from the findings. Okay. And we see any any potential problems with that in the future at all, or we're not? The board approved the agreement unanimously. The next meeting will be held on August 15th. The third annual WFHB Block Rocker will happen Saturday, August 20th from 5 to 11 p.m. WFHB General Manager Jar Turner elaborated on what the event entails. So we started in 2018 with our first block rocker, and the idea was to have a summer block party with a diverse lineup of performers and various vendors to uh, connect the community with their services. And the first one was a major hit. Uh, It had lots of people who were kind of wandering in and walking their dogs and uh, brought a lot of uh, attention to the area, uh, in particular to the, the little scene happening here on 4th Street between Walnut and College. There's numerous bars, there's, and there's just, you know, within this little 400-foot radius, there's a lot of activity. And I felt the block rocker would be a really good way to encapsulate all the, the music scene, uh, especially locally in, in Bloomington. Six local artists will perform at the event. The Dynamics, Wife Patrol, Sumatics, The Matriarch, Super Lunar, and Hope Daddy. Turner walked through how the lineup came together. What I really wanted to do in the lineup is not just do a billing of all indie rock bands. There's there's no shortage of indie rock bands in Bloomington. I also didn't want it to be a a lineup of all singer-songwriters. I wanted it to all of the bands to complement each other, but not be like each other. And so the idea was to um, book a series of bands that sort of fit together like a puzzle piece to make a whole. And uh, it was actually a week's long process to find, find the bands and, and, and book them. You know, we could have, we could have had five bands with, you know, you know, in a couple of days if we were just looking for, for convenience, but we really wanted to find something that, represented Bloomington and, you know, really promotes diversity and our mission at WFHB. According to a press release, the WFHB Block Rocker will be a community building event. Turner explained what he means by community building. Well, first of all, it's open to the public. There's no charge. We've managed to get some funding from the city of Bloomington and some other sponsors and so the event is open to the public. There's no barriers to uh, for in, with income to attend. And we've got a number of nonprofits who will be setting up. And we've got like 10 nonprofits now setting up. And it's just an, uh, an opportunity to kind of get together one of the last free weekends of, of summer and just get together and talk and hang out and, you know, see each other, especially coming out of two and a half years of COVID of just not seeing and not making those connections. So that's something that we wanted to bring back. And we took a pause for this event uh, in 2020 and in, in 2021. And here we are. He walked through the food and beverages that will be available at the Block Rocker, all from local restaurants, breweries, and distilleries. We will have uh, beer served by Bloomington Brewing Company from the BBC. And we'll also have spirits from Cardinal Spirits. And we'll have food from Rasta Pops, so there'll be food trucks and 
popsicle stands. Rasta Pops will be there. I believe the Orbit Room will be there serving hot dogs. Also, Peely's Taco Truck and their new their new truck called Wonder Buns. So there will be food and drink, and hopefully that will kind of stabilize people and you know get people there for for the long haul. After a two-year hiatus due to COVID-19, Turner says he's looking forward to putting on the block rocker. He described his favorite part of the event based on previous experiences. One of my favorite things is to look around and see the audience and then to see them entertained and smile. And just seeing old friends come out and making new friends. You know, I really would encourage everyone to come out. There's a lot of logistics involved and there's a lot of planning involved and you know, the efforts of the WFHB staff to put this event together are many. And there's just a lot of lot of planning in this. And I just hope that the community shows up and really appreciates it. The 2022 Block Rocker will take place outside the WFHB station at 108 West 4th Street. For more information on WFHB's third annual Block Rocker, visit WFHB.org. Up next, we have the latest edition of Prescription for Healthcare, a monthly podcast collaboration between WFHB and Medicare for All Indiana. In the August show, hosts Karen Greenstone and Dr. Rob Stone speak with Tracy Carson, who was inspired to organize a statewide March for Medicare for All in Indianapolis on Saturday, July 23rd, 2022. We turn now to that edition of Prescription for Healthcare. From Bloomington, Indiana, welcome to Prescription for Healthcare on WFHB Community Radio, sponsored by Medicare for All Indiana. I'm Karen Greenstone, along with Dr. Rob Stone. Hello. Our guest today is Tracy Carson from Indianapolis, who organized a successful kickoff march and rally on July 23rd in Indianapolis that coincided with a week-long national events to celebrate Medicare's 57th birthday, culminating with a march in Washington, D.C. on July 30th. Tracy Carson, welcome to Prescription for Healthcare. Hello. Thank you for having me. So, Tracy, will you tell us how you got involved for Medicare for All, your history, how you got here? Because this is uh, this is new for you, isn't it? it? Activism isn't new, but in terms of care for all, I can't think of a time when I wasn't for it. I mean, it was called just about everything. Single payer, universal. So I've always been for Medicare for All in terms of this event. In organizing, that's a long story. So in 2020, not 2000, yeah, 2020 or 2021, one of those two years, it's early, so I, I can't remember. There was a national march, and 56 cities took part in it. And it was a fantastic turnout. Problem was, Indiana was missing. And I kept thinking, we're a state. We have people. We have healthcare needs. We have disparities, just like every other place. We need to get, you know, people, you know, for this and educate them about what Medicare for All really means. Don't we have a march? And that led on the little journey of me contacting 
the national Medicare for all recruitment asking, oh, when is the March? When is the March? What date is the March? Not realizing that they had decided not to do a city by city March, but they had agreed to promote Indiana as kind of like the kickoff to the national March. So Tracy, what prompted you to get involved with universal health care with Medicare for all your personal story. I have type one diabetes and as a diabetic, I haven't always had the pleasure of having employee sponsor insurance. There was a time when I was on Medicare and to be honest, the Medicare system is way better than the employee or sponsored healthcare. Medicare. Medicaid. Sorry. Thank you for the correction. (laughs) I didn't, when I was on Medicaid, I didn't have to worry about where my prescriptions were coming from. All the doctor's appointments I had, the endocrinologist, the kidney doctor, the ophthalmologist, the family doctor, the mental health aspect of it, all of those things were paid for with merely a dollar a month. And so my thought was, why can't all losers have this, have access to this without the one dollar a month? And so that's really what's the start of So... After deciding this is, I want to do this, how did you organize people to pull off this very successful event? Oh, boy. That was me posting in every Facebook group that had Medicare for All in the title. Me just saying, hey, if you live in Indiana, I'm going to have this March. It's going to be this date, this time. And just keeping my fingers crossed that people respond to it. And thank goodness they did it because my original idea was just, take a sandwich board, walk around town and do that option. And I'm glad that that did not be out. I remember hearing you say that you hoped that you would get at least 10 people there. Well, you got and that was my original boss that if 10 people come, I will be excited. And actually 10 times the number that I set changed. So even though I think the crowd should have been larger, the weather played a huge factor in that. It was extremely hot, but that didn't keep the ones who showed up from not being enthusiastic. So will you describe for our listening audience the events of the day from gathering at the Soldiers and Sailors Monument, the march from the monument to the State House, and the speakers, um, highlight some of the speakers at the Capitol for, for our listeners? Well, when the... The Sailors Monument, or what we call in Indianapolis, the Circle. Um, we gathered there at about 1230, and we basically held up signs and lined up, and we chant part of it. If we ever do a march again, I don't want to do it. Chant, not something I'm skilled at. Thank goodness there was a gentleman or young man there that took over. I was like, look, this is your work. You do the chance because you honestly have done these before. I haven't. So he left the chance. And we basically walked maybe two blocks, two blocks and a half over to the state house, got there, and the canopy or whatever they call that thing was set up. And I said, you know what? It's a little hot, so why don't it have everybody move like the shade? So we did that, and we kicked off with, and I don't remember the order of the speakers, and that's a bad thing, but all the speakers, really, minus me, because I'm not a strong public speaker, but all the speakers 
really brought home the need for Medicare for all. And I was really pleased, you know, even though we didn't get our congressman, the only congressperson in Indiana to sponsor Medicare for all to come, I still thought that the speakers there were fantastic. And I'm almost glad he didn't show up because that really put the pressure on the speakers to bring their A game. Because I have like an A game, B game. And they really did. They outlined the problem and they brought the solution and then emphasized more about the solution. So I was really pleased with all the speakers equally. Except for me. I was not anything I had to say. For our listeners, Tracy was great. Um, What is your prescription for health care? And you have been involved with Medicaid. You have lived without health insurance. So you've seen it from both sides. Can you describe what your prescription for health care is? I think the number one thing is we need to do more as a state. We need to have, and I know there's the Medicare for All group APN, which I'm hoping to get more active with. I'm looking to get more involved in a statewide effort in terms of doing something. I know like Wilmington does something. Northwest Indiana does something, Evansville does something. And I don't want to say don't do anything, but what I would like to see is more of a statewide one voice type of effort that's taken. I also think it's really high time that we look at the politicians that we are electing because this can't happen without legislative power. Just because I want Medicare for all doesn't mean that, okay, tomorrow we're going to have it. No, we have to get this legislatively done. And that means electing people that not only will campaign for Medicare for all, but will vote for Medicare for all, defend Medicare for all in the courts, and make sure that it's signed in both the House, the Senate, eventually by the president, and defend it in the courts. Another thing I think that needs to be done is we need to really advocate that people take better care of themselves. And, you know, even if healthcare was free, there's still responsibility we as individuals have. You know, some things you just can't help. And if you have type 1 diabetes like I do, you just have type 1 diabetes. If you have cancer or any of those things, there's just some things you cannot prevent. But those preventable things, we need to be more in the vein of advocating for people eating healthy diets, exercise, taking care of their mental health, their vision, their dental health. Those are things, those are the three things that I would like to see. Of course, there's more, but I'll just kind of summarize them in three. So Tracy, thank you so much for speaking with us today and for your dedication to healthcare for everyone. You're really an inspiration for being someone who had, you went from zero to 60 from having not organized a statewide event to pulling off a really successful event. So thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you for having me, and I appreciate it. This is Karen Greenstone and Dr. Rob Stone for Prescription for Healthcare, sponsored by Medicare for All Indiana on WFHB Community Radio. To your good health, everyone. Stay safe, and thank you for listening. We may never see this moment Place and time again If not now, if not now
Support for WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Cade Young and Noel Herhusky-Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Dr. Rob Stone and Karen Green Stone. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. For WFHB, this is your engineer and executive producer, Cade Young. And I'm Benedict Jones. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters WFHB wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for Big Talk, a one-on-one conversation with some of Bloomington's most fascinating people. Coming up next on WFHB. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB local news volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB local news archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB local news. We are local, longer.